Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booth pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What is up, everybody? I am Chris Claire. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast, the podcast that definitely gets everybody's name exactly correct the very first time we ever try it. I am here with my homie, Mr. Drew Karrison. What's up, buddy? How you hey, doing? Hey, man. I'm I'm doing really good. I just I I need to let the listeners know, and and you know some of our more consistent ones will know that we you know we record on on Monday nights, and um. And I feel much better about today. You know, like last week we recorded on a Sunday night and we were both audibly tired. Um, but nobody listened to that episode anyway. So that's okay. Like, you know, it was still like good content, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the energy wasn't there. Today is much better. And then on top of that, the the Giants and the Dodgers are playing right now in front of me. Um, it's uh, It's game three of a best of five series. I, I am a Giants fan, but this has been just a phenomenal game and series so far. If I do blurt out at random times, I apologize. We're in the bottom of the eighth, so it's getting very, very serious. Um, I'm I'm sure our listeners are just thrilled knowing that you're uh, not concentrating on the podcast. I'm concentrating enough, and plus there will be commercial breaks where I can really focus in. So... Um, Oh, so good. that's okay. And and I just think that it just kind of overall matches my my interest level. You know, where um I think last week you know, I let everybody know that we had bought a new house and then today we actually sold our current house. So it's kind of like pandemonium what? in the in the garrison household and that is um, incredible. It, and it was yeah, it's great. It's great news. We're excited, but I got to tell you, you know, um I mean, first of all, just my booze collection alone, what a nightmare to to box that stuff up i mean you know it's like one of those things where anytime someone comes to my house they always walk away with bottles that's just kind of how it goes i'm like i may come into come into this room grab whatever you want just take it and and despite that i still continue to add to it and i don't feel like i ever really make progress and it was kind of like with that in that in mind like if i ever have to move one day i don't want to be that difficult and unfortunately I have failed miserably. I have I've already burned through a ton of boxes just boxing up just boxing up booze, which is just so silly. Um but all this rambling. Yeah, I know. I was, I, I was sitting on like seven empty cases for you. And I picked them all up. I grabbed them all. I grabbed them all and I appreciate it. And you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to need more and I know that now. I just burned I through you, a lot of them. Man. It's a, it's OND baby. We we got cases galore. We are and just for the for the people at home, OND October, November, December, which is also the biggest time of the year. If you don't make your money right now in the spirits industry, you're not making money, baby. You're on the way out. So um, there's no stress. Yeah. So actually, one of those one of the people that helps us make money, and more importantly, someone who's going to have a nightmarish situation if they ever decide to move because his collection is ridiculous is tonight's guest and um he's a good friend of both of ours he's an occasional listener listener to the good bottle podcast and i think i think our first or no no, no our second non-industry person um mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, but like really outside the industry and, uh, and bear with me, I'm, I'm going to try to get this right for the first time ever. Cause, cause he's been referenced on the podcast before our guest tonight is Jared Paniagua. Oh my nailed God. It. You nailed it. it was I finally beautiful. did it. Pretty good. I'm just going to get that tattooed like on my speak wrist. Spanish fluently. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a gift. You guys, everybody knows that my pronunciations are, are on point. Jared, dude, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Um, as I said, you're, you're a good friend to the both of us and, and, and in all, and I guess in, in all reality, just because we're old men now, a relatively new friend too, that has become like just a good friend in a short amount of time. So we're super excited to have you on the podcast and to talk to you about some, some more consumer related items. But, uh, most importantly, why don't you tell the the folks at home kind of who you are and then what you're drinking? Uh, hey, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is fun and slightly weird because I'm used to doing this kind of face-to-face and sharing said drinks. Um, but I'm Jared. I just drink a lot. I got into <laughs> spirits pretty heavily over COVID, like I would say most of the world. And... Um, my taste just venture from started off with bourbons and then just started going heavy into scotches and mescals and rums. Thanks to you, Drew. So Ooh. with that being said, tonight I am drinking the black tot 50th anniversary. That a just baby in the spirit of some of our conversations that we're going to have tonight. So cheers guys. Cheers, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, my my favorite thing about you, Jared, is the fact that you do literally drink everything like you're just which which is I think which is also one of the reasons that that you have become such a quick friend is because you're not, you know, despite this, I guess, relatively short amount of time that you've really been into the spirits collecting like you've just you've just been like pedal to the metal with it. And you just, you buy so many different things and different varieties, you know, like you said, like all the ones that you listed off, plus a lot of weird stuff. And, and then, and then also like you're super generous with it too, which is, which is amazing. I mean, so often in this industry, you know, especially from the sales rep side, like, you know, we do get to drink a lot of really cool stuff, but then there's a lot of stuff that we never get to try. Like all the, like, especially for me, like I only get to sell it. And so you're kind of like, Hey, you want to try it? I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, I do want to try that. And so that's always been, um, that's been really awesome. So, so why don't you give the listeners at home kind of just an idea? So let's, let's, let's do some number comparisons. Okay. What would you say your, your liquor collection pre pandemic was like, what's the number? Ooh, four, four. Okay. That's a, that's four, a pretty solid number. Four thousand dollars bottles or what? <laughs> okay. Four bottles. Four four bottles. Okay. And um, mostly mixers with like one scotch or one whiskey. I was gonna say like probably like a like one of those like a, a bottle of Malibu, right? You know, Ooh, like no, kind no, of no. I don't know. <laughs> We're worse than that. Tito's probably like a Bombay. I would say Tito's is above above Malibu, just for the record. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna put that out there. Um okay, so now so you take four bottles, um, you insert a global pandemic and now we're a year and a half later. What do you think your, what do you think your bottle collection is at now? Oh man. Leah's mm, not listening. I would probably it's say, fun. I know. I'm also oh, looking behind She might you, listen so because she knows I'm on here. <laughs> Leah is this very awesome partner who signs off on all this stuff just for the, for the non friends at home. I would probably say we're close to 
four to five hundred. Unbelievable. Good lord. Just just absolutely insanity. I mean, in in a, in a collection that uh which which I think there's a lot of people who kind of did the same thing as you and they were on this accelerated path like most of the time even even the course that you talked about really like oh you kind of start with bourbon and then you work your way into scotch and then you get into mezcals, rums and things like that like there's a few of you that are in our lives now that you kind of just went on this like steroid induced uh journey <laughs> of like all these different things and like and you have stuff in your collection that even i haven't heard of before which i think is so amazing because you've never stopped um you know like learning and exploring and then and another mutual friend of ours um drew at up at you know cv spirits in auburn uh he always anytime that we're talking um, sometimes the conversation always comes back to like he's like when we talk about customers just in general, he goes, you know what I need, Drew? And I'm like, what do you need, Drew? Because that's how confusing our conversations get. Um, he's like, I need more Jareds in my life. I need the guy who buys everything. <laughs> and I'm like, like, listen, man, you have no idea what a unicorn that is. Like, we're just, uh, there's not a whole lot of them out there. So um, so it's great. That's, uh, it's it's been super fun. And I can't, I, I mean, again, I can't believe that you can go from, that few bottles to that many in such a short amount of time. And then, and then most importantly, they could be so eclectic and so many cool things that actually like that I want to drink, you know, man, you guys are making me blush over here. It's true. But, uh, it's true. I mean, dude, you walk away and you walk around with your own rolly bag. I mean, you have your own rolly bag. You're like a rep <laughs> but without, without the responsibilities. So <laughs> you actually have uh, a rolly bag now. Yeah. He gave me a rolly bag with CV wine and spirits on it. Damn it! I thought I was so cool giving you like a wine spectator bag, but you you busted my bag, Jerry. So the so yeah, the the funny thing about that is I talked to Drew about it later on, and he was like, he's like, well, you know, Jared comes up to the shop, and he shares a lot of the things that he buys with us. But I know he's doing it other places. So my plan is that my logo just travels to all these other shops, and it makes people jealous. (laughs) And I'm like, that's amazing. Brilliant. It really is. Yeah, it, I, I it, feel like typically what happens is I roll in with that, just anticipating sharing whatever bottles I happen to bring with me. And there are other distributors or people in the industry who are there at the same time. And they're like, oh, who are you with? Like, you know, no one Yeah, I'm here just to drink <laughs> with Chris. Would you like some? Yeah. It makes it, Wait, makes it fun. What you need to say from, from like now on is like, you know, who are you with? You're like, I'm with Wayne Enterprises like every time. And just be like, it's like, yeah, you know, my boss, Bruce, was just telling me I got to get out here, do these things, and just see how long it can go before <laughs> before they get before wise to you. realize uh, you're talking about Batman? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I do that all the time, and you go pretty long. It's great. Um, okay, Chris, what are you drinking? All right, dog. I'm drinking some Bearskin Gin. It's uh, coming out of uh, Norway, which is this incredible Beautiful black bottle with a uh, wood top. This stuff is probably my new favorite gin in the last like year and a half. This stuff is just just beautiful. Um, What's it called? Incredibly well balanced, right? Berkson Gin. E A R E K S T E N Botanical Gin. Just lovely. Nice. This stuff is is just incredible. It's taken my store by by storm. Um, everybody that we've sold it to comes back, gets another bottle. Um, the entire entire shop loves it. Well, 
I'm drinking this and tonic tonight. And, uh, nice. That I'm drinking it with, I am drinking it with uh, Shasta tonic. We're taking the highest of the high and putting it with the <laughs> shittiest of the shittiest because I've got a ton of them in my garage. And you know what? It's delicious. I'm, I'm here for it. Nice. I got a little lime, a little lime squeeze in the way. So. Yeah, I'll plug that Barrickston too. That's one of the first gins I bought from you, and Leah crushed it. We went back for Fuck another. Fire, man. It's so good. And uh, what what would you say is the so obviously there's juniper in it, but what are some of the other like the taste profile on it? Ooh, that's a good point. We are on a podcast where I should describe the things that I uh, that I'm tasting. Well, the only um, reason that we didn't do the 50th anniversary is because we've we've talked about that bottle quite a, quite a bit, and it's amazing. And I don't want to keep cheaply plugging something that like most people can no longer get. Although, good news, <laughs> 51st anniversary should be here within the next week or two so hopefully that happens good to know uh, just on the sidebar uh the distillers edition or the master distillers edition of the black tot did you ever get any of that in the distillers edition no yeah there was there was one that was like a a master distillers edition that they plugged for a little bit oh my god there's there's so much stuff in that in that lineup like that I that I would love to have that they just like hold out on us. I mean, again, and we and we've talked about this so much uh, on this on this show, is that we just don't get the same things that the UK gets because we're a sure. bunch of like uncivilized, um, you know, miscreants here in the US that don't appreciate rum the way that we should. Um, and and it's so funny. Like I've never I've never been to Europe. Um, so, and I really, really do look forward to my first trip to England, but predominantly my reason for wanting to go to England is just so I could drink a lot of different black tots that we can't get here. Namely the 40 year Demerara that, um, is like my great white whale. Like I cannot wait to try that. And, and I, and it needs to happen soon because that's obviously a finite, um, uh, bottle. So, so we'll see, but, um. Yeah, I just wish we got cooler stuff. Although it is getting better. The 700 mLs have been really huge for the U.S. You know, we're getting a lot more things that we typically wouldn't get. All right, Chris, back to you. What What are some of the tasty notes that are that the people should look forward to with this gin? Oh, man. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, like, comes off citrusy. It's like got this really lovely lime, like, fresh lime peel note to it. Um, and then opens up into, like, this. A uh, little bit of like medicinal and um, medicinal and herbal qualities. We're, we're looking at like a little bit of caraway, a little bit of cilantro, a um, little bit of a little bit of mm, like pink peppercorn. Stuff is incredibly well balanced. Um, so so much so that it's kind of it's kind of hard to like pick some of the flavor notes apart um, because they all they all meld really together. And there he goes. He goes in for the sip for the visuals <laughs> <laughs> with that tonic. Lovely. Nice, Jared. What are you drinking, buddy? Jared drinking the black tot. You pay attentioner. <laughs> uh, that's a great point 
Drew, what are you drinking? Okay. Drew, what are you drinking? <laughs> I was trying. To, um, I was just trying to throw throw the uh, the mic to to our guests, but a really good point. Yeah, we we did that. Um, I'm sipping on a little bit of Awamori tonight, and so uh, Awamori is a distilled spirit from from rice. And um, this one, so it's 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 similar to soju, but it is much higher ABV. This one's forty three percent, and this um, and awamori also comes from from uh, Okinawa. And what makes Okinawa interesting is that it's a very tropical climate, and so the uh, like the black fungus that they have to use in order to start fermentation is is a lot different than what they would use in other types of rice distillates so because like that that black koji can actually survive the heat whereas if it was like a normal back like koji bacteria it doesn't do as well in those environments so it's really cool um this also comes from a place that's a blue zone so if you drink this like every night you'll live forever um so it's an important thing to remember blue zone mean so that's like um one of the areas in the world where people live abnormally longer than other parts of the world. Um, so they end up being usually uh, pretty small areas, but there's, I don't know how many there are throughout the world, but they're, they're referred to as blue zones. And so they get studied pretty often about like, you know, what are their eating habits? Like, what are they doing? Like what's making, like what's, what is taking this whole population and allowing them to live so much longer than your average ages. And if you talk to uh, some of the people that, that are from Okinawa and when they talk about this, like they'll actually take this drink and they'll, um, they'll take like brown sugar or like, and, and I know it's a more unique sugar than that because it's, it's from Japan. And um, they muddle that and like a little bit of hot water in the awamori. And that's like what they drink at night. And it's kind of like their, it's kind of like their nightcap. And so um, it's a really unique spirit just because, you know, again, it's, it's not like a whiskey or anything like that. Like it is just a distilled rice distillate. It doesn't spend any time in a barrel. This one actually goes into um, they actually like ceramic uh, vessels that it, that it rests in. So there's not, there's not a whole lot of flavor profile that comes from that. Um, but it's just really interesting. And it's just another one of those, those cool things that you don't see very often. Um and like most things, Japanese, like it's just very hot right now. A lot of people want different stuff from Japan and this is no exception of that. Like we can't keep anything in stock from Japan right now. Like it's, it's nuts. And part of that does have to do with the shipping issues that we're facing kind of across the world. But also like, there's just this, there's still just a, a lot of general enthusiasm um, for anything coming from the country right now. So, so that's, that's it. That's, that's what I'm sipping on. Drew, for listeners who've never had soju or this spirit you're drinking, like, what does it taste like? What would they expect? You know, the the funny thing about that is like, it's just, it's, you know, if, if you've ever had, um, if you ever have had just rice in general, like it just tastes like liquid rice. I mean, I know that's so reductive and, and actually a little bit unfair uh, to the spirit, but, um, you know, it's it it definitely like you when you're drinking it like you absolutely aware like like okay yeah like i can see i can uh, that that rice flavor profile that you've had in any form like this is you know white rice this is very 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 close to that um there's a little bit more of like a warming sensation that comes with the awamori 
that that I tend to like. I mean, sometimes sometimes with the with the rice distillate, they can be like really sharp and kind of aggressive, whereas this one is just a little bit more a little bit more subtle on your palate. It just kind of seems like it's um, again, and you kind of and I think that probably comes from that fermentation process, right? Where it is in a tropical environment. So there's just, there's a lot that goes on in a very short amount of time. And so there's a lot of flavor profile that, that come through it. So it's a little bit of a war, like it's still, it's still very much so that rice flavor profile, but it tends to be more on the um, like warm cooked rice, as opposed to maybe like a colder sushi rice or something like that. I don't know. That's, that's kind of the route that I would, that I would go there. It just, it's such a unique spirit. I mean, I remember the first time I had it, even with the experience of soju and stuff like that, I just was like, I was like, I have never tried anything like this before. Like, this is so cool. And this is so unique and different. So um, if you haven't tried it, go out and get it because it's super weird and fun and hard to get. So, you know, that's what makes it better. (laughs) Okay. Well now I think it's time for our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay, so our first story is actually has to do with luxury spirits buying. And I thought this was perfect for Jared because he's someone that went from four bottles to 400 in a year and a half. So, and buying lots of luxury spirits. So first we have to define what luxury spirits are considered by uh, by everybody who's tracking these things. And it's going to be more than $50 and it has to be a, 700, a 750 milliliter, like at least 750 milliliter. Um, it only accounts for three to 4% of the overall sales of spirits. So, you know, there's a lot of trash pandas out there, a lot of people drinking cheap, gross stuff, but for the ones who aren't drinking over 50, they make up $10 billion worth of sales in 2020. So that's a pretty significant, why does it have to be over 750? I just this was just like their their measuring stick for what they described in the article. I don't think it has to be. I think it's this was these were the parameters that they laid out. It's like fifty fifty dollars, seven fifty. This is also for two thousand twenty. These numbers and so at this time they had not released um, a seven hundred as a viable uh, bottle option in the U.S. So that's that. I think that's Correct. just why they they just they just go to clarify go to clarify on that. Yeah, um, yeah. we're talking. In in terms of like the article, they're referring to full bottles, essentially, yeah, right. right? Like they're not referring to like flasks. They're not refer- referring to like airplane bottles. They're referring to like full bottle collectors. Correct. Correct. Um, so, so ten million dollars in sales again. That was for 2020, and um, you know a lot of that new collectors coming in such as Jared uh, lots of people with disposable income are now are now um, buying that stuff and because they weren't able to go out because of the pandemic but what they found through the first half of 2021 even with things opening back up is that number year over year is up 25% already over last year which to me is awesome and I'll explain why in a second. But first, Chris, I want to throw it to you. Why do you think there's still an aggressive growth on luxury spirits in our marketplace right now? 
you know, uh, probably about a year ago, we had we had this uh, episode where we talked about sort of like the, the green phenomenon or the green theory, um, where we looked at we looked at consumers of our age range and and how they how they purchase, and really the the theory about it was breaking down to to the idea that consumers of our age group roughly speaking enjoy quality things and they give a shit about what they ingest right so with that all being said we're talking about organic food we're talking about food that's not like hyper processed and and what gets included in that foods booze definitely gets included in that so we're talking about you know, booze that has a lot of uh, care when it comes to aging, the quality uh, of the of the oak and you know quality of the booze and the distillate and so on and so forth. Um, and, and so I I think that we see people giving a shit about where they put their dollars as opposed to just like buying a ton of swill. I totally agree. Um, first side note: Giants just won up to one in a best of five series. Uh, beat LA. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're. I think you're totally right. I think one of the things in theories that I had going into um, bars opening back up is that so many people built these in these incredible collections, right? Where they were just like, like they had, like I said, they had all this extra money, and then they were returning to bars, and bars had whack bars like their back bars were terrible everything that you had at home was better than in, than what a lot of the bars were offering i mean i've had more people reaching out to me who i've tried to work with for years who are like we need some cooler shit because we're getting like people just aren't ordering off our back bar anymore you know like they're getting cocktails that's going really great but you know we just have things that are just sitting and we and we're getting feedback that people are like this is stupid this is lame <laughs> which i love cuz i have all that weird stuff that that people really want to get um but uh but it's been really it's been really cool to kind of see that continue and to see people um you know even though they're able to go out and get cocktails like they're still like hey there's th- now they're on to this thing and they're not going to walk away from it now like you don't build a 400 bottle collection and they'd be like i'm good now like the the addiction is over like it's just like it's like nope it, it started so so jared i know for you um one of the things that we talked about before before we jumped on we jumped online is that you kind of had to remove some of the some of the temptation and all of the fomo that you got from from other people posting bottles and things like that but through this year have you continued to add to that collection uh, I have, but I've I've slowed myself down, and it's it's a multitude of reasons. Uh, one being, I've found myself liking very specific types of spirits now, and after having bought four hundred bottles and trying a multitude, like a wide gamut of everything, I kind of have ideas of what flavors I like and what distilleries I prefer. And um, if I was a smarter man, I would have figured that all out at a bar for much less money. But, but what it really comes down to is when I used to go to a bar, it was nice. You'd get a beer or you'd get a basic cocktail and then the craft cocktail craze took over and you were enjoying a, a better cocktail. It was like that growth of the palate. Hmm. And what happened is that's how I started. I just wanted to make old fashions at home 
And from there, it was like, oh, what kind of bourbon makes the best old-fashioned? And then from there, I went to what kind of bourbon sifts the best because it doesn't always mix well with those different ingredients. And scotch got involved, and then margaritas turned into me drinking mezcal and bacanora and just random agave spirits from areas that can't even call themselves tequila or mezcal. Um, it was just a growth. And now that I'm in the spirit world, I just can't go back to drinking Malibu and Tito's. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't need a thousand bottles, but what I want are like 50 to a hundred amazing bottles that make me sit there and think like, what does my palate want tonight? Yeah. So, so, um, out of curiosity, what are some of the flavor profiles that you've currently landed on? And I hope that you realize those, those will change again someday and you'll have to buy another 50 to hundred bottles. But what, what (laughs) right now, what's the preferred, what's the preferred, uh, a flavor profile for you. Well, right now I'm being I'm being much more cautious. So um, you were speaking about the FOMO, and the FOMO was there's always some distilleries always coming out with a limited release of something. Mm-hmm. It's it, whether it's oh this is for instance Kilhoman had two bottles of that Calvados cask finished yeah whiskey that came out, and FOMO got me. It just so happened to be delicious, but. I would ex- I would expect that from Kilhoman because I know that distillery and I know those flavor profiles and that's a f- profile I really enjoy. So when something special does come out, I want it and I'll, and I'll try and push for it and I'll pay money for it. But something like, and not to knock anyone, but Michter's basic lineup, delicious, but I don't really need that on my bar unless I want like a very simple bourbon to sip on or a very simple rye. Um, and that's incredible, I love, man. I, like, I love that honestly, I got me like, there, but hearing you say that Mixers is like simple and basic is kind of mind blowing to me. Well, because it's also very boring. Because I have these higher or these more allocated versions of those same things, and I I'd rather wait to try and find one of those in a year of bourbon and have that on my bar. Correct. Like I have the is ten that, year bourbon. Is I have that the because rye. bourbon is bourbon, or is that because mixers is mixers? Um, good question. Thank you. Per- personally, I think um, <laughs> I-, I tend to lean towards mixers in general. So I think it's mixers is mixers. They're, they're probably one of my favorite bourbon makers. So for me, it's just if I'm going to spend the money, I'll just wait and try and find a ten year and pay for that, and then sip on that for a while. Versus as, as opposed to just buying like their Kentucky straight bourbon, their their straight lineup, and yeah, sipping on gotcha. that. There was a point in time when uh, when I was coming up as a as a cocktail bartender when Mixers was like the creme de la creme, and people were just discovering Mixers, and um and at that point in time, you know, Mixers was considered like this beautiful bourbon um, that you had to pay for. And now it's entirely um, uh, very, very like run-of-the-mill cost for a bourbon of that quality. Like the rest of the market has caught up to them, and they didn't they didn't grow their price. They just kept their price the same, where they always kind of like felt it should be. 
and the rest of the market like developed around them, which I, I found really, really fascinating over the last like 12, 15 years. I just find them all so boring. <laughs> we know your opinion on bourbon. Drew Garrison, everybody like... <laughs> finding Kentucky bourbon less than interesting. Oh my gosh. Just the whole talk. Um, actually, I think that's the, one of the bottles that, that you shared me with was the Michter's 10. And, um, and for me, it's always going to be like, it's always going to be like the cost thing and, and stuff like that. And and actually on that same day, we did, <clears throat> we, we tasted a bunch of different stuff because that kind of always happens with us. But the two that stick out to me, at least in, at least for this conversation was, um, the Michter's 10. And then we did the Leopold brothers, three chamber rye whiskey. That fucking three chambers is goddamn. I, I would say the most perfect whiskey I think I've ever tasted. It is absolutely incredible. And and it was and it was funny to sit there and taste it next to next to the Mictors 10. And and to be fair, the three chambers was highly sought after. Um and it was not cheap. Yeah, but, it's also no, it's not cheap. A pretty penny. Yep. Yeah, it is so so both of them are that. But I just think that like, you know, if you when you're gonna spend that type of money to get something that's that unique and that delicious. Um, that, that to me makes all the difference in the world. And that's just like, yeah. that's what I love about, you know, independent bottlings and things like this is that you have these one-offs and these new additions to, to the spectrum of whiskeys that you're just kind of like, you're like, Oh my God. Like, I mean, how much MGP juice in different packaging can you, can you lose your mind over? You know, and that's what, and that's what I just get so, I get so blown away by, by bourbon drinkers in general is just because they're all fighting and clamoring over the same stuff. And then these poor store, store owners that have to, you know, take on 10 cases of X to get six, six bottles of Y and, and it's just, it's a shame because there, there are legitimately amazing things out there and 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 i and i do feel that <coughs> sorry that more people are becoming savvy to that right and they're figuring it out and and kind of like that accelerated accelerated growth pattern that that Jared you went on and then someone else that, that i think of with that is um another friend of ours Brandon Leon who's who's basically like the same as you right like had four bottles when the pandemic started and now he's got one of the most impressive collections and continues to get like bigger and bolder yep. with it you very know very impressive um and so it's it's really cool to see people you know doing that and kind of taking this you know, and what I'm what I'm hoping is is that that the bar changes for what we considered luxury spirits. Because the reality is is like most things that I'm drinking are probably over fifty dollars, right? I don't really think twice about paying, you know, you know, kind of up to a hundred dollars, hundred fifty, you know, hundred and fifty dollars. Maybe like I don't really hesitate too much with that. Um, once you go above that, then there's definitely kind of like, like, okay, do I really need this and, and stuff like that? But I think it, it, at the very minimum up to a hundred, it's I'm really kind of like, like, no, 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 that's good value. Like I know who's making this, that, that, that's, that's really solid. So it would be, it would be cool to see like an increase in, um, in what they consider luxury, like maybe bump that up to 75. I don't know. 
that that was my first complaint when I read that article. It was fifty dollars is pretty simple. That's you spend fifty dollars going to buy two craft cocktails at a bar in San Francisco with tip, you know, and that means you have a bottle at home that you can enjoy for however many pours. Um, my my other thing with this has been um, they're anticipating this growth to keep going. How can they sustain it? Something like tequila, something like mezcal that takes years and years and years to actually grow and mature and make to the same quality. At some point, it's going to dip and you're just going to lose all those customers. That's my biggest fear. Well, I think they just go somewhere else. I mean, you know, even even with the the parameters being what they are in the luxury spirits, you know, as, as I had mentioned, it only makes up three to 4% of the overall sales, which is bonkers, right? When you think about just like how much cheap stuff does get consumed and bought every single day by obviously millions of people around the world or, you know, in, in the United States, like it just, it's just crazy, crazy to me that, that you could have such a, such a low number in terms of percentage, but then um, we would see like a completely open playing field. And, you know, in terms of, in terms of like the tequila thing, I mean, I, I do think that that's a big part of it. You know, like one of the, one of the ongoing trends over the past year has been uh, Añejos and extra Añejos have been almost impossible to keep in stock and impossible to get. And, you know, that, that is often going to come with a price tag that is over the $50. So I know that's a big part of it. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, all this stuff ends up being so, so cyclical and it's like, what do you, like, you know, just what's going to be next, you know, was, was anybody expecting tequila to, I mean, tequila's always been popular, but the way that it blew up over the past year is just absolute insanity. Right. So, I mean, um, I, I would argue, I would argue that people have seen this coming right like people have been investing in agave spirits for the last like five years it's it's been on an upward trend for for at least that long right yeah i mean without looking at the numbers i'll say yes i think we lost chris for a minute (laughs) still going i mean you've seen it though like in your own portfolio right like not only has your own portfolio grown in terms of like in terms of options to purchase, but but what you're selling now, right? You're selling more Ray Comparo, right? You've already brought in a couple other SKUs that you you personally, Drew, have been a part of. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there. I think there's definitely that, like the 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 growth of um, uh, of the other agave spirits has been probably a huge part of that too. And, uh, and will continue to, to be that. And, you know, I think at the, at the end of the day, like my, my hope is that as we, as we continue to cycle through this stuff that eventually rum gets its day in the sun and One everybody day. starts, starts to value it the way that the way that it should be. But um but, uh, but yeah, I don't why, know. Why? It's... Why do you think rum deserves that? Just because of its its cultural influence and the fact that I think when you've been completely misrepresented for so long and 
tremendously misunderstood. I would like just to see like some of the people who are doing really amazing things out there kind of get their day in the sun. Cause it's not, I mean, I, you know, it, it, it comes down to the people behind it and the things that they're doing. Like, um, uh, you know, like, like Karen Hoskin with Montana rum. I mean, like that's one of the most talented, talented women in our entire industry. And she's based out of Colorado, but she's a bigger deal in Europe than she is here. Like that's mental. Like what, what are we doing? Um, in terms of that. And then, uh, you know, another, another person like Maggie Campbell, who was with privateer and just took over Mount Gay, you know, these are, these are people who are creating these flavor profiles and doing these things with this, with the spirit that has also shaped the world in a way that nothing else ever has before, like, and hasn't since, like, I want to see people, you know, at least, at least to change the perception where it's not just like, you know, you, you say like, Oh, I like rum. And like, and then the standard response is like, like, Oh, are you a pirate? It's just like, Oh my God, kill me. You know, (laughs) that, that is truly something groundbreaking, right? Like having someone like Maggie Campbell who like started their own rum brand get brought on to this multi-generational, very, very old. I mean, Mount Gay is the longest, continuously running distillery in the new world. Yeah. And to have someone completely outsourced to come in to take over to like lead this distillery in a brand new direction is fucking incredible. I mean that like talk about progressive, talk about like looking forward over the next 20, 30 years. That's just an amazing thing. It's it, like you never see that. We we never see that. I've never seen that in in our in our industry. It, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's why I want to see it. I want to see I want to see people, you know, treating treating rum, you know, as that luxury spirit, and then not scoffing at it. I mean, but it's it's going to come. It's going to be hard. I mean, because even even the people who um, who are like really into rum. I mean, I remember like more often than not seeing people like complain about some rum prices hovering around a hundred dollars. And you're just kind of like, it's like, listen, you can't, you can't sit here and, and claim that you want this to be a respected category. And then second guess, second guess pricing when it's over, when it's close to a hundred, like that just doesn't make sense. That doesn't compute. It's like, you know, value is going to, is going to manifest its way in a, in a few different ways, you know? So it's going to be on the monetary level. It's also going to be in the taste profile and production methods and stuff like that. So, um, so, you know, like I want to see people drinking like good rum that, I mean, in, in health, there's even rums that are sub $50 that are, that are really great. That's the best thing about rum is that it can be really amazing at sub $50, but you know, there's some really, really incredible special things over $50 that I hope that we get to, we get to that point and people continue to, to just build out their back bar and, and have all kinds of good stuff and more people and more people be, be like Jared. Just, that's what I'm going to say. Just be like Jared. That's what I want your buying habits to be. (laughs) What would Jared do? Yeah. What would Jared do? What would Jared buy? And then do the exact opposite. 
No. <laughs> save your wallet. Save yourself. I disagree. No. I disagree entirely. <laughs> Listener, don't listen yeah. to them. Yeah, you're putting our you're putting our daughters through college, so we appreciate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, luxury spirits. Let's bump up the price. okay so now we're gonna we're gonna get into some tater talk um so for the listeners at home who maybe yeah tater talk who who don't know what it is um taters uh and that's going to be t-a-t-e-r-s are often are often used as a reference um name for people who are only chasing like allocated bourbons and stuff like that. Uh, so your Weller 12s, your Blantons, your, your things that, you know, they see in the Facebook group page and they're like, Oh, that's how those are the good ones. Like, you know, nothing else. Um, one of the other ones that also happens to be a very, very good whiskey is the, the Buffalo trace antique collection or BTAC is one of its, uh, is its acronym. And, and what you have here is a collection of different bourbons um, from Buffalo Trace that are that are bottled at different ABVs and different years, and they tend to be kind of like the best of the best each year. Um, each year they release a Thomas Handy, a William LaRue, a Sazerac, and an Eagle Rare. And this year they just announced the 2021 release. And absent from the tater lineup is the George T stag, which has uh, caused a lot of controversy and a lot of people um, to kind of hit the panic button already. Now this ends up being relevant because these bottles, typically if you're able to buy them just at the store, you're probably looking at somewhere between like 150 to one to 200 is kind of in the range of like your normal markup. The reality is because of secondary pricing and the secondary, what we're referring to is the market that exists after the, um, the front line of, of, uh, bottle shops and things post, like that. Post retail. Post retail. Um, those bottles are, are usually ranging anywhere from like six to a thousand dollars. So, um, so when you have less of them, it, it, only you know makes sense for people to kind of think like, oh great, now the now the B tax are going to be even more allocated, and they're going to be really really super expensive. So, um, so first off, we'll 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 start here. Jared, have you ever had anything from the antique collection? And if and if you have, what is what is the what is your favorite one? Uh, so I've only tried two. Uh, I've tried Stag, and I've tried. Sazerac. Oh, and William LaRue Weller. I'm sorry, three. Mm-hmm. And that was just because they had them at bars and they were exorbitant prices for a pour. Um, so I've never actually been able to purchase a bottle. And if I wanted to, I didn't want to pay secondary. So I just didn't do it. Um, my favorite yeah, was you probably... and I, you and I share like this, uh, this thought process of, of like anything over $200 anything over a hundred dollars it's like Diminishing it's really got to be worth it yeah yeah um i would say the william larue was my favorite but i never got to actually go back and second try those and recompare because they're so difficult to find it's not like a bottle on my shelf i can just grab and retry um stag is great all those bottles are great if you can find them that's the hardest part. And throwing that monkey wrench into this year, it almost 
knowing how allocated bourbon has gotten and how fiendish collectors are for them, I'm, I like in the back of my mind, it almost feels like a ploy that they <laughs> held back this year's. Yeah, and so they they are quoted as saying that the that the barrels that they had selected for the BTAC just didn't live up to the reputation that they, that they try to convey with this collection, which is which is interesting because obviously everybody has very strong opinions from year to year over over this collection and whether it's as good as last year's or two years or whatever the case may be. So um, so it is interesting to kind of see them holding back. Um, Chris, will you ever be able to sell BTACs at your store? I will say it. Tacks are, are easily the most requested. Um, um, right, but I mean, like, but will you, as a store owner, ever be able to carry them? Rarely by hitting, like, yeah, maybe by hitting, once I mean, a year, and maybe like a couple bottles. But I don't see that happening this year. I don't think I and, met my. I don't think I met the like the the allocation standards for it. Right. And so this kind of gets back to a lot of things that we've talked about a lot on the show where it's, it's, um, you know, these shops are required to buy X amount of, of things in order to qualify it for it. And then sometimes you don't even get what you're necessarily qualified to get. Like, it's just not, you know, it's not a guarantee because it's kind of a gray area situation. And, and I have been in stores when people found out that they were not getting their allocated bottles despite hitting all their numbers and oh my god you want to see some angry angry people like if i mean it is it is a really uncomfortable situation to say the least um uh, so you know we know i i don't i i have this i've developed this other uh, maybe it's just out of out of like necessity but i've i've developed this um this thought process which is i'm not sure i care about the allocated stuff as much so, uh, my customers care about the allocations um which obviously i want to give my customers what they want so they spend their money with me but even with that yeah. it's like what am i getting two three bottles of a certain thing at at best right and and those two three bottles cause me so much headache just a to get them and then b to decide who i'm going to sell them to and i guess at what price right it's such a fucking heartache um really i just i like selling dope shit all year long i don't want to like be known for being the place where you can get those things i mean i guess i would Maybe because I'm not known as being the place where you can get those things, I just have to deal with it. But uh, and therefore, I've like ended up in the, in the you know justifying my thought process here. And yeah. maybe it'll change in two years when theoretically I can get those things. But I'm yeah. not that place right now. And and I so I I want to have the reputation where people show up and buy dope shit regardless of it being like allocated. I want to be known as the place where people can come get really cool booze, regardless of where the trends are. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that means so much more to me than like being able to sell a, a 
Eagle Rare 17, the Stazrak 18. Yeah. Um, Jared, let me ask you this because, you know, obviously with us being heavily into the industry and stuff like that, like we're very aware of these things and, and you've been on this crash course, but you know, what were like, what are your impressions of the allocations and things like that? And, and do you recall, like when you kind of figured out, you're like, you're like, like, Oh wow. Like I, I get it. Like, this is why this is so expensive. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember as I started upping that, that price ceiling for bottles I would be willing to purchase and reading about MSRP. And that was one of the things with COVID you could just dive into research and start looking up everything about everything. So it was like, okay, maybe I want to go this route. Maybe I want to try this. I'll look, keep an eye out for this. I know what the MSRPs are and you see them out in the wild very rarely. And when you do, they are, they're at secondary prices, just outlandish prices. And as you get to know shop owners and people in the industry and you learn about this allocation system, uh, it makes sense why they do that. But personally, what I see most often is more and more local shops starting to butt heads, trying to fight for that that groundwork in order to qualify for those bottles. And then I see more and more people wanting to try and find those bottles at a, a, a reasonable price so they can flip them and make money off of them themselves. And it's that whole tater process and that flipping process. And it's, it's kind of sad to see that take over the industry when these are, these are good quality bourbons and the, there are people out there who want to drink them and try them and, like I would love to have a bottle on my shelf. So when people came over, it's like, have you ever tried this before? Here you go. It's just, it's not the reality of the situation and hopefully it gets better. But with something like this, where they tell you they're not releasing it and they're, they they do not tell you what they're going to do with those barrels, like what's going to happen with them. Is it going to end up being some super allocated special release from the non-released year? That's going to come out at $300 from the distillery and then flip on the market for 1200, 1500, 10, 10 grand. I mean, it's getting just crazy and almost unobtainable. So if I ever come across a bottle that I can actually afford, I buy it immediately. That way I can just have it knowing that I'll probably never have it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of strange to, to look at like that stuff and the way that some of these bottles end up getting treated and and I do think that the that the B tax end up being good good whiskeys and and there's a lot of the stuff that that I think is good if it was priced appropriately right like the one that the one that will always blow my mind is is like the Weller twelve going for more than thirty dollars like that is <laughs> to to me even at thirty dollars I think it's absolutely horrible like I think it's one of the worst the worst whiskeys in the entire world. Like it's so disgusting to me. And, and the fact that people like try to charge 100, 200, you know, plus dollars for this trash whiskey just blows my mind. You know, like, like, you know, with, with something like a Blanton's, which early time. What? It's worse than early times. But you can't look at it that way because early times you're still paying that low price for. Like, so you can't really compare it. It's just, you know, 
it's it's hard to oh, it's hard to take. So for what you're saying is for the price that people charge, it is the it is the worst. You know, but but even but even at thirty dollars, I don't I I don't think it's a good whiskey. Like there's there's things that I would rather have. Um, like the Dave Nicholson over that, I think is way better. Uh, for for what it ends up being, definitely um, underrated bottle. It's a super underrated bottle, and you know, uh, I just I I think it's the the weather twelve. It also just cracks me up because there are people who will give me a hard time for drinking rum because it's, it's too sweet. And I'm like, have you had weather 12? Weather 12 is one of the sweetest whiskeys. <laughs> it almost seems flavored, right? Um, it's just overall, it's just a, it's a bad thing. And, and, and again, it's not like really necessarily that the allocation part of it, you know, cause something like a uh, Blanton's, which is another one that gets a lot of, a lot of overhype and Hype. things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like, you know, your your standard price for Blanton should be, I think it's like 65, 55 to 65 is, is kind of like your, your standard rate. And, it's you know, even not. up to, but I mean, like if, like if you're getting it at Costco, like it's, that's, that's yeah. the price point. That doesn't count. Costco is not the standard rate. Like we don't get a, what? You don't get a say you, Costco is the standard rate. That's so unfair. So what is the normal price for it? But without or without it going up, yes, yeah. seventy five bucks. Okay, so I charge I charge know. I charge eighty plus because I almost yeah. never get it, and when people are coming to me, they're relatively desperate. Right. Well, I mean, but I even <laughs> I but I can even look money. at something like I can see something at Blanton's like a hundred dollars on Blanton's. I'm like I'm like I can almost justify that. Like I get it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it is it is a good whiskey. Whereas sure. the whereas like the weather twelve, I will never ever well, and say that's okay. Is still very doable compared to I've seen Weller twelve going for like three hundred bucks in certain circles. Weller yeah. proof yeah. three yeah. five hundred. Also, it's like yeah, yeah. I, I saw a barrel pick from Blackwell's. Um, they were selling their Blanton's barrel pick for two hundred dollars a bottle. As soon as I saw that, I clicked delete. <laughs> His palate can't be that good. Oh, no comment on Blackwells. I'll say that right now. <laughs> Jared, no I, I've got a question for you. Sorry for so, the name drop, too. <laughs> uh, Jared, you, you have so many, so many bottles. Is there is there an overwhelming uh, style that you purchased? Is it Scotch? Is it Bourbon? Is it Mescal? Is it Rum? Like what? What have you spent your money on? Scotch and mezcal. Scotch and mezcal. Why? Yep. The way it should uh, they be. tend, they tend to, <laughs> and then it, and then it's bourbon, um, bourbon rum, other like cognac brandies, eau de vie, mm-hmm. um, even amari, um, and it tends to be because I think it's the complexity of the flavors in scotch and mezcal though. People would say they're similar in so much as they're smoky and they're spirit forward and et cetera. It, it's um, like for mezcal, you get all of these green, natural agave vegetal flavors in abundance. And you know that that agave has been growing for 10 years minimum and up to 25 in certain cases. And it's just the history of that. And Right now, mezcal is still pretty um, traditional in the way it's produced. So 
there's there's a little bit of um, fairy tale love that comes with that story. And then I would say the same thing with scotch. The, just the idea that the scotch has been sitting around for 30 years in a barrel, which is you know almost as old as I am, and made by somebody who may not even have been around anymore, like might have passed. And it's there's a lifetime of history and environment and characteristics that you just can't replicate in something that's been around for two to four years. That's why that's I really that cool. Yeah, Great yeah, answer. That's really cool, man. This is why this is why we like Jared. He gets us. <laughs> He totally gets or I'm us. just a pretentious ass. No, not till we get you into wine. <laughs> you know who's dope? Them over there. That that will be the next step for Jared. Is like our and we've actually already been talking about it because because uh, there's some wines in my portfolio that we're going to get him into, and that's when he's going to become insufferable, and that's what I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> is when we can finally. We can finally get him on the wine train and uh, and kind of go from there. But you know what's great about this start- is is that uh, uh, I met Drew before he knew anything about booze, and so Drew has become relatively insufferable about booze. And the fact that he's now talking about other people becoming that, I feel like I'm like <laughs> the granddad of of insufferability at this point. You're like you're, you 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 have this family tree of just. Of just right. horrible, pe- insufferable people. Yeah. When Look it comes at out what out. I have created. You <laughs> are welcome. <laughs> are you not entertained? Yeah. You've unleashed this disease on the world. Um, uh, so so now what we're going to talk about people who are not insufferable, and we're going to talk about our dope follows. And um, these, are, these could be Instagram accounts, Facebook accounts, blogs, other podcasts, different shows, movies, books, whatever the case would be. We're going to tell you dope people to check out and follow for, for whatever, whatever you need in your life right now. So uh, Jared, let's start with you. What's your, what's your dope follow this week? Sure. It, it, it's not a new thing, but it's one I just found myself listening to and couldn't be pulled away from uh, renegades born in the USA is that the podcast with Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama where I had no idea they were even friends, but apparently they're really good friends and they talk politics and growing up over that same era from very different perspectives. It's really fascinating. And they, they provide a lot of insight into what they've been through, where they see the country and the globe going. And it, I mean, it's something where you can pour a little scotch and just listen to them talk because both of them are so eloquent and interesting. But yeah, that's my dope follow. I never would have put Springsteen in that category, but I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Obama's a great order. So I would have, I would have seen that coming, but not so much, not so much Bruce. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah, their, their riffing is really entertaining. There's a, I've heard um, amazing things about that, that podcast. It's like it's like those weird combinations. Another one that I just recently came across. This isn't my don't follow, but um, Ricky Gervais and Sam Harris do a podcast together, and you're like, you're like, you had me at Ricky, yeah, and you're like, wait, what? And 
and it's it's a little bit irritating because there's like a full version of the show that you have to like pay for but the free one is like 10 minute blurbs and you still get the gist of like what's going on it's still really entertaining but it's 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 legitimately like ricky calls up sam harris and and just ask him a question that's like super in depth and then he like gives his like Gervais spin on Sam's answers. And the thing is, like, and if you're not familiar, like, you know, Sam Harris is is arguably one of the smartest people in the world, right? But I mean, the dude listening to him, it's like watching paint dry. Like there's just there's no <laughs> there's no energy to it. It's so matter the it's so matter of fact and, and everything like that. It's he's kind of a tough listen. So when you get the energy of Ricky Gervais in it, you're just kind of like you're like you're like this is amazing. Like you're taking someone who's usually super boring to listen to and making it incredibly entertaining. And again, it's it's another one of those duos that you're kind of like you're like why are you friends? This is amazing. So, okay, all right. So Brock and Bruce, Ricky, Ricky and Sam. Those those are our new. Those are the the iconic duos now. Um, Chris, who's your don't follow? I've got two. Ooh, okay. Coming strong tonight. It's uh, it's October officially, and uh, and that means for me it's uh, I've been watching nothing but like snowboarding videos on Instagram and Facebook and any place that I can get them because I'm I just come October I just start feeding like I need snow I need powder I need to like watch people hucking flips and whatnot. So um, uh, my my newest favorite follow on Instagram is Gimbal God. Uh, he is this uh, this videographer who has uh, made a name for himself over the last like I don't know I, I honestly I don't even know but I, I like year two he has a gimbal. A gimbal is a uh, is this uh, photography contraption that keeps everything very steady. So there's no like bumps, there's no, no like side to side. You don't see a lot of like shakiness. Um, and this guy like, is full on like riding his own skis, riding his own snowboard, like following these people, and um, and and just capturing the dopest video of these fools like just like throwing the most amazing shit off of like Man. cliffs into like off of jumps and just like in half pipes, everything like that. It's fucking great to watch. Chris, I'm so glad you brought that up because when you were describing before you said his name, as you were describing him, he immediately popped into my head because his videos are so good. So good. Like like Drew, I, I don't know if you've ever seen him or seen his Instagram or any of his videos, but he will be snowboarding or skiing backwards and doing the exact same jumps, maybe not the tricks, but he's taking jumps and going down hills and doing all this stuff and capturing these majestic athletes soaring through the air with these pristine snowy backgrounds. It's just, it's amazing. It's magical. Yeah, his shots are incredible. Like everybody is always in focus, always in screen. No one's like shooting off screen. It's, it's fucking incredible. Uh, my nice. my second one is uh is for Drew. Um, and and hey, I don't me. know if Drew, I don't know if Drew <laughs> he seen met at all. But uh, uh, I I'm a little late. 
I feel again like I'm a little late to this because I don't watch a lot of um, TV or shows. Like I, uh, my wife and I get into like one show, we watch it all the way through, or at least that season all the way through, and we don't we don't allow ourselves to like really vary because we don't have a lot of time. Like you gotta watch either one half hour episode or like one 50 minute episode after putting our daughter down and having to get ready for bed every night. And that's about all we get. Right. So, um, but we started watching, uh, this Hulu show called reservation dogs. It's incredible. It's funny. It is, clever it's really 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 witty um the production is phenomenal and it's really entertaining to watch and it's a full-on first nation uh production crew and directing crew and acting crew um and it's a great great way to just get a different story in an incredibly entertaining way the reason this is for Drew uh, is because one of Drew's favorite producers and directors is, uh, is I'm going to fuck this up, Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Taika. Is that right, Drew? Mm-hmm. Taika Waititi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's, the, he's the director of this show or, oh, or awesome. producer of this show. Uh, I've been meaning to watch that and I haven't, I haven't yet. Um, Cause I do want to go like on a big time binge with it. But, uh, but yeah, it does, it does look very good. And it's also, I mean, you know, it's another story that you don't get to see a whole lot of. So that'd be some good, good exposure as well. So, okay, cool. All right. if it's good, I'm going to, I, no more excuses. I got to check it out. Yeah. It's on my list too. Okay. So, um, Mine is slightly less serious, and I actually came across it today, and I just was like, I was like, this is so perfect. And it was a, uh, it was actually served up to me via via Facebook. And it, if you look it up, it's Mr. Doodle on Facebook. I don't know if he has an Instagram, but I know he definitely has has the Facebook page. And it's basically this guy who has found a way to make doodling profitable for him and has turned into like this whole thing. And so basically he takes like a big black marker and he starts with a frame and then, and then starts with like a basic doodle and then just like kind of doodles things around it. And it's like, it's definitely one of those things that you watch it and you're like, you're like, I could do that. Like, how come I didn't think of this? And, and I've, and I, and I think just because I think like most people, you know, I love doodling. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> and I have like, and watching him do it was like stuff that I've done before and how it just kind of how he builds out the entire picture and just fills the entire thing in. Um, and it's also, I think it's, it's one of those, uh, one of those types of videos as well that uh, it's very satisfying to watch because the entire image always gets completely filled in. And then he does um, projects with his wife as well. And so what he'll do is he'll come in, he'll do kind of like the outline for the entire thing. And then she comes in and she colors it in and just adds all this different, you know, uh, this color spectrum to it. And so again, it's, it's Mr. 
Mr. Doodle on Facebook and it is it's great. The videos are awesome. Um, and so it, it, it's I just love it. And I definitely can't do what he does, but it's fun to sit there and think that I could. So <laughs> um, so check that one out. That's my don't follow. Hell yeah. Yeah, you gotta bring that music volume way down. It's too loud. It's too loud. I can barely hear you. There you go. Now, now, now that people can hear us, there's nothing. There's nothing worse than when the guests have to like plug their stuff and you can't even hear the guest. Um, but that's just uh, that's why we do these things. That's why we have fun with this. Um, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison Six. Chris is Chris Sinflair. Uh, Jared, where can they find you on the on the social medias? Do you have anything left at this point? I've got Facebook, so it's Jared Paniagua. And then I've got a TikTok that's at at Quasimodo six five two, but uh, yeah, I, I don't use either of them too much. I've just been taking a break, but yeah, hopefully if you guys want to reach out, feel free. And then guys, thank you so much for having me on. Of of course, man. Uh, hey, you can also support the podcast by visiting our Etsy shop. Just look up Good Bottle Podcast on Etsy. You can get yourself a cool shirt um or a cool fanny pack you can also uh check out anchor.fm slash good bottle podcast where where we can go and buy more booze and try to catch up to jared's collection and uh if you would like for us to cover a story that you've been following or if you work for a brand that you would like us to feature please email us at the good bottle podcast at gmail.com and as a reminder, you can purchase the bottles that we drink on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com. And until next time, cheers. Cheers, motherfuckers. You're beautiful. Cheers. We all just need to go over to Jared's house and drink down some of that collection for him. Please I'll do. see everybody over here on Monday. You guys get to help me with mine. Hooray.